what is happening in the market for input supplies and what can you do about it for your farm. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. The challenge of getting inputs is extending into 2022. What can you do? We turn to two Farm Progress editors for some perspective and tips. First up is Tom Beckman, editor of Indiana Prairie Farmer. He's been talking to retailers and others in the industry to get some perspective. Interestingly, none of them will go on the record, but Tom is sharing their insights here. Then we'll look at the market forces at work with Jacqueline Holland, grain market analyst for Farm Futures. She's been spending a lot of time lately looking at the forces at work in the input market. She offers some insight on what that might mean for your risk management plans and more. Let's get a report from the field with Tom Beckman. Well, Tom, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Thank you, Willie. It's glad to be with you again, or good to be with you again. (laughs) It's always glad and good. Let's go with both. (laughs) Right. So you've been out in the country, um, as many of our editors have, and I've been hearing this, and I decided you and I should talk today a little bit. The challenge we're going to face in next spring, I mean, we've kind of hinted at this. Uh, We had some Farm Progress 365 programs where we talked about getting your combine ready and start ordering parts for your planter already and trying to get those things lined up. But you're hearing um, the other side of this coin is the input side of this for 2022, planting 2022. Can you give me a little quick rundown of what you're hearing from some of the people you talk with? Sure. Uh, And I have talked to uh, some industry people, but off the record. And the reason uh, they only want to talk that way right now is so volatile. It's uh, and but you know by the time they would this can change and there's just a lot of pieces at play uh but the story is two there's two uh particular parts they they enter all this interreacts but herbicides uh the chemical input side and then fertilizer side and uh the herbicide side talk about it first it's probably simpler um some of these shortages are real um they i've been told that almost every day or for sure every week some new another chemical goes on the list that might be rationed or be short Um, some of the soybean one soybean herbicides may uh, be hit the hardest but um it's uh, just uh, a lot of reasons but there it is a real supply demand issue um so I think we'll be we'll be talking to specialists about how to you know, use some other chemistries. Uh, there'll be herbicides available, but it, you may not get what you want or uh, as much as you want of what you want, or it may be uncertain. So uh, you might want to comment on that, Willie, and then we'll go into fertilizer. Well, I think one thing that that's interesting about that inputs, and obviously a lot of that was hit. These feeds, there are a couple of things. Some of the feedstocks come from China. And some of the feedstocks come out of the New Orleans, Houston area that have been hit pretty hard by hurricanes and a bad winter. So that slowed down production. And we talk about that was last winter. How could that be an issue? Or that was this summer. How's that an issue for next year? Well, it's just the way just in time works. They just can't keep up and catching up is really a problem. Um, one thing for sure, and you mentioned the comment of talking to your specialist, 
you know, we kind of lost the easy button for controlling weeds and soybeans already, right, with all the glyphosate right. resistant that's out there. Well, now we've made it even harder, and that means you you need to sit down today. Every farmer listen to this who's raising soybeans may want to just, in the combine, if you're listening to this or wherever you are, think about what you're using and what your plan is for next year, and then start thinking about what are the alternatives. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of dealerships kind of center up on a, a company brand. Maybe you're a Bayer, Bayer centric or BASF centric or Corteva centric. Well, that's good. But all these other alternatives are out there, as well as a lot of the post patent products, uh, whether you're talking Atticus or UPL or people like that. And I know UPL is also in uh, current product as well. But as, as I'm saying, there's a lot of different choices. So this year, the idea that I'm going to lay down this pre and this post you may was because I've done it for three years and it's worked great. You you got to stop. You got to go back and look. I mean, I heard somebody talk about looking at premixes because glyphosate may be short, but there may be premixes that have glyphosate that got it. You know what I mean? And so right. how you look at those things. So you, you really are going to have to get. I mean, the good news is our listeners are a creative bunch. Farmers always figure out a way to get around things. So this is the year where if you've taught about different ways to kill weeds, this is the way to the year to go back and look. Right, and I think the other thing is you mentioned. I think you need to be talking to your to your retailer, your dealer, uh, someone you've got a relationship with, and you know you mentioned they retailers tend to maybe favor one line of products over another, and you may have to talk to them about the options and uh, you know hear from them what's going on in your area. It's <clears throat> some of these things are, are real. Uh, as early as you know, midsummer, um, we were was at a field day, and uh, the herbicide company makes a lot of uh, uh, generic products, but has a good lineup and some of their own. But they were talking the shipping, shipping for the ingredients to get here from China for some basic chemistry was up at that point five times and probably going higher, and. Uh, even things like, you know, they get the herbicide, but and then the supplier that makes the lid for the the container can't make the get the lid there. And it's just a lot of different things. So you need to be and that leads us into the fertilizer. I think it's the same thing, only maybe more uh more drastic from what I'm hearing. Very uncertain right now. And it kinda it kind of splits uh into fertilizer. You got your your potash. Uh, and there were some mines that got flooded by the potash producers. My particular source on fertilizer thinks the potash market will settle down, but it may take months. Not So don't expect, big, if you're waiting for even next spring, it may still not be totally settled down. Phosphorus seems to be maybe a little less volatile. The big volatile one is nitrogen, and that breaks into two categories. You get UAN and uh, especially UAN, urea, and some of the things, not, not anhydrous. A lot of those come from, especially the UAN comes from uh, Russia and Trinidad, Tobago. Uh, a big share comes from those countries. Uh, there's some trade disputes going back and forth, and some actions have been filed against them. And uh, word on the street is they may not, they may just shut off the shipment until those issues are settled and uh we're talking international trade commission stuff that doesn't happen overnight so um look 
if you're used to using uh, liquid UAN, you may have already found out it's hard to get her book. Um, and then the uh, the anhydrous thing, uh, Hurricane Ida that went you know affected New Orleans, where a lot of the uh, anhydrous comes through there, has really kind of bogged that one down. Uh, prices have shot up. I know you're going to talk to our expert on prices later, but they've shot up drastically. What's happening right now, this one retail dealer I talked to, um, and maybe it's different in your area if you're listening, but you couldn't book. You, know, you got had a good year. You want to buy, pay for some nitrogen for next spring, even though you're not going to put it on till next spring and uh, really take delivery. But you, you can't book it and pay for it today. Now, maybe in two weeks, six weeks before the end of the year for tax purposes, that may all change. They expect, and you may well be able to, but right now, or normally this time of year, you could be locking stuff in. Right now, it's just so uncertain that you know, they're just worried about taking care of their, what, trying to get enough to supply the customers that are, that they, that are, you know, standing customers and uh it's just a real volatile situation out there well i'll stop and let you add some comments well, it's interesting too because uh, you made a comment there that that i think people should be aware of and the steady customer the the farmer that's always working with that dealer may be in a different position this year than he's ever been in before right um, the the this will put a lot of pressure on guys and gals who like to shop around um, obviously, that's a complex, volatile issue as well. Um, but if if you have a good relationship with your dealer, get in touch now um, and work on that relationship if it's been a little strained, because that may help may help you. Because when there is limited supply, I've got to parse it out to the people that I know that are going to be with me. That's a smart way to run your business, and it's going to be a challenge in that regard. And I think that we'll find a little volatility in the country on that. As regards pricing, yeah, if the ITC thing settles, UAN may become more available, but I don't know what the pricing will be like because part of that ITC complaint, International Trade Commission complaint, is they filed countervailing duties because they've, they've accused Russia and Trinidad and Tobago of dumping UAN on the market at below production prices, which means that when it comes in, if they solve this, it's going to be higher anyway. So right. it'll be it'll be an interesting situation, um, which we've never seen before. So I guess that the, uh, I'm going to offer a couple of tips and maybe you can weigh in on this. The okay. first tip is the first tip is probably you should call your dealer soon after you listen to this. <laughs> right. <laughs> and find out what the situation is. And maybe you've had some casual conversations, but it's really time to maybe go in and set up a meeting and have that conversation with dealers you've worked with regularly. If it's two or three at the co-op or the, re, uh, the independent retailer. This is a time to go chat with them. Maybe you can't book anything, but at least you can start looking at what you think your needs are for uh, both crop protection products as well as uh, fertilizer. And, and that's the first step. And the next step is get a hold of your extension expert or your agronomist that you work with and say, or maybe you should do this first, but I think you need to start, start with the dealer, but then get with the agronomist and say, what can I use instead of what I've been using to kill weeds just and, and bugs? Because I need to know what are alternatives are out there. Because you know what? There are so many, Tom. I can't keep track of them. I have to sit right. down and do my research when I'm thinking about how I'm going to write about insecticides because there's 10 that work and usually guys buy one or two. So I right. think that there's options out there and I think we need to look at those and uh, change up how we do things. How would you add to that? Um, 
great points. I guess I'd add a couple things or uh, one one tip and then maybe one observation. But uh, the other thing, you know, you may have to look at your nitrogen program. And uh, and uh, I'm here in central Indiana. Uh, actually, my physically located just south, first county south of Indianapolis. Um, we had a lot of rain early um, and off and on until mid-season it turned dry. It really was a pretty tough season, but the yields are turning out pretty well considering. But uh, some nitrogen loss and some up from losing, not leaching, but into the air, denitrification because the soils were so wet. And uh, so I think that maybe you need to rethink even though side dressing you may think maybe you think it's a hassle maybe it's time to look at that again uh and then the rates and purdue the purdue uh bob nielsen our corn specialist who's uh passing the torch to dan quinn but uh, great for corn producers not just in indiana but i know uh, illinois still looks over here a lot uh, right now they're a little short staffed in other places but Dan Quinn has come on board, and him and Bob, Bob's going to, I think, be around another year probably, or at least a while to help Dan. And But they put out a piece here that we've written up, uh, just a new piece on nitrogen after 15 years of study. And other states have this data, too. Iowa and Nebraska has good data for their states on nitrogen rates for various soil types and yield or uh, yield potential. But... What they did, they drastically upped the price comparisons. And if you've got, uh, if ammonia is $1,200 a ton or $1,600 a ton, heaven forbid, but that's what they actually put chart in the chart, uh, that makes a big difference how much you might want to apply depending on the corn price versus if it's seven, six, $700 a ton. And I guess the, the observation I'd just add, uh, you know, Willie, you mentioned having a relationship with your retailer. You know, your first reaction might be these guys are just gouging me because corn prices went up, uh, bean prices were up. And unfortunately, in the past, um, I, I think you could get some people to admit that, yes, that probably happened. We're talking maybe 12, 15 years ago, like the corn shot up in the 07, 08. Uh, they assure me this one is real. It really is a supply and demand thing. There may be some profit taking that you may get into later today, but with uh, in the program. But there's also some real, real issues. The issue we mentioned on trade, but also just some supply, transport, uh, supply costs coming out of COVID, just a lot of disruptions. So there really is supply and demand. So you may want to. You know, it's hard to temper your attitude if you think they're taking advantage of you. But I think the retailer may be the guy caught in the middle. So uh, I'll let you <laughs> I react. That's that. true. I believe that's true. I think the retailer may be caught in the middle on this with the supply issues as well as some other things that might be going on. You know, you mentioned one other thing, Bob and, and uh, Dan's work on nitrogen. Um, that came up in a conversation I had last uh, recently on Farm Progress 365 with an agronomist at UN University of Nebraska-Lincoln. You know, we always think, what is it, a pound a bushel, a pound of nitrogen to a bushel of corn? Um, well, was, that's what we did, but yep. for a lot of reasons, that's really out of date. It is, and they were talking about if you're if you're putting that, you put 200 pounds down and you got 240 bushels of corn last year, maybe you want to rethink your nitrogen program. 
right. if you need 200 bushel corn, maybe you shouldn't be applying 200 pounds. Maybe you should be looking at 150 pounds. So I think that's the part of your nitrogen program you need to look at. And this is the good news of if you're in a climate field view program, a John Deere Operations Center program, a conservice program, you pick your favorite uh, farm data program. Go back and look at your nitrogen use versus yield. Right. And you you might be able to get by with a little less nitrogen and still get a profitable yield in terms of, a, a, you know, instead of trying to be the yield beater in the neighborhood, this may be may this may force that issue a little bit. Well, let me uh, let me uh, react to that in just a second. You make a great point. Dan Quinn and I had that conversation. We were in the field running the plot together uh, this Monday and we had that conversation. But I should also mention Jim Comparado at Purdue, the soil fertility specialist, helped develop these rates as well. And he has weighed in on this and he's even asked. You know, they're not sure what all is going on with this. So he's asked me, what do you know? And that helped me want to go out and find out. But Dan, uh, the point on the prices on nitrogen, me personally, it goes, I've spent my life loving to, you know, how can we get higher corn yields? And it's kind of goes against the grain to back off on purpose. But that's what Dan and I were talking about. This may be the year when you have to do that or at least consider it as an option. And if we get a good year, if we get plenty of moisture, but not too much, you get a lot of mineralization out of the soil. That's mm-hmm. one reason the one bushel per pound doesn't work anymore, because especially guys that have, a lot of people are in reduced tillage, if not no till. And the more, the less tillage, the more mineralization we're seeing on some of these soils in the right year. This particularly wasn't one of them because it got really dry in July and August, but uh, with more, with an average, with some kind of decent year, mineralization on a good soil will, is where some of that extra yield is coming from, and it may be a year you have to count on it. Yeah, we did discuss that. And you need to look at your organic matter because that's going to tell you about mineralization right. too. Right. And if you've got a high organic matter soil, you you might be able to do a little different with your nitrogen, but this is a serious conversation and this is the year to have it. Exactly. And that's, our articles are going to be, uh, you're going to see a lot written about it. I think it's important. Like I say, uh, I know a lot of people, it goes against their grain, but the smart money this year may be making some tough choices on uh, how much you actually put out there. And it may depend on what you can get. It may just come down to price. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, going to be another interesting year. Jackie Holland that uh, you're going to talk to, uh, here shortly on the prices for this, but in her last column she's written here for uh, that we're going to for December uh, makes a uh, makes some good points about that it's it's all these decisions one simple decision she pointed out be okay I'll grow more soybeans well you do that and then uh, she looks at marketing so soybean acreage goes up ten percent. Soybean prices likely come down, and not only that, but as one of my retailers pointed out, now you're you're putting more pressure on the herbicides that we're most short on, the soybean herbicides. So it's a real web out there. You got to really think about the unintended consequences. I think coming into 2022 of anything that you do. So it's fun as always. That's I think why people farm. But uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting year. Yeah, it's like a Chinese curse, right? May you live in interesting times. Right. Uh, 
<laughs> but I think the other side of it is I think we in agriculture like love a challenge. But I think for 2022, I think the answer is maybe not hold my beer. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just think this through and look at opportunities, talk with your dealer, get with your agronomist or your extension expert and sort out some things and do it sooner rather than later. Um, I think that's probably the big deal, too. And that's that's true with your farm equipment dealer, too. Um, right. For parts, especially now that we've got deer continuing their strike. I don't know what that's going to mean for parts and whole goods availability. It's got to start hurting soon. So I think it's something else to get a handle, a handle on. So it's right. crazy out there. Well, Tom, it's been interesting talking to you today. I appreciate your time and uh, always a good chat, sir. Uh, stay well and keep us posted as you hear more about the supply issue. I'm sure we're going to revisit this in the next few weeks. Take care. Thank you, Willie. Thanks to Tom Beckman for his insights. He's been covering agriculture for quite some time, and his field contacts offered some great perspective. We also hope the tips that we offered during our conversation are helpful to you as you try to sort out what has become, frankly, a wacky market. Speaking of markets, what are the forces at work on fertilizer pricing and other inputs? Jacqueline Holland, grain market analyst with Farm Futures, has been pouring over data and offering insights on the issue. So let's check in with her to learn more. Jackie, welcome to Around Farm Progress. I think you've been a little busy. I have been. There's been a lot going on to watching these fertilizer markets over the last few months. So it's definitely kept me on my toes. I think it's keeping everybody on their toes or or up at night might be the better answer. I, I guess... To start off, why don't you give me the big picture? What are you seeing from a supply side as you're looking at the fertilizer market? And, and Tom Beckman and I just talked about that a little bit from the local side. But when you look at the global market, what are you really seeing? So on the supply side, I think the one thing that everybody's worried about right now is are we going to have enough supplies for planting, planting activities uh, next spring? And... You know, I think to be fair, I think right now that those I think those shortage fears are still very speculative, but, you know, kind of true to form for everything the last year. I think there's going to be just a lot of hand to mouth activity in the fertilizer market by the time spring rolls around. So, you know, volume wise, yes, we will have. I yes, I think we will have those supplies, but they're still so tight on the global market that I think it's going to come down to timing. And if we're able to get those supplies right on the day or, you know, the week's period that we need them. Well, and if they're tight, that also means when I can get them or if I can get them, they're going to be pricier. Exactly. Exactly. And I, there's a couple components that go into that higher price factor. Um, as we just spoke about, there's higher, there are tighter supplies um, and there's more competition for what supplies are available. Uh, 57 million acres of production across the world came online over the last year, or of corn, soybean, wheat production came online over the last year, uh, the, the, our last two years, excuse me. But that's a lot of acreage, and the fertilizer industry hasn't been able to mobilize quickly enough to fully meet that demand comfortably. Um, 
so that's a, having a big impact on prices. The other thing we're seeing is rising raw materials costs. So rising costs for natural gas, as we know, which is a main component for anhydrous ammonia production, but it's also a critical fuel source at most of the fertilizer plants around the world. So when we hear discussions about the energy crisis that the EU and Asia is facing, what that translates for the farm sector is that a lot of these international fertilizer plants are being shut down because they don't have the natural gas fuel supplies they need to keep up with production. So, um, you know, that adds that also adds to the price pressure as well. And then kind of further exacerbates the concerns about tight supplies next spring. And we can't be shutting down any plants. That's true whether you're talking fertilizer, tires, crop protection products. So the idea that Europe may be backing off on production is a little bit scary from the standpoint of global supply. And I think that's the other thing people need to realize. Global supply is a bucket. And if if you pour from the bucket, uh, if you don't put something in the bucket from one side, it's got to come from somewhere else, right? It's it's all connected. Exactly. Exactly. It's just interesting how that all pulls pulls together. So uh, you've been looking at quarterly earnings reports. I think a lot of people have. My Twitter feed's lit up a little bit about this. What are you seeing in terms of? I mean, I don't want to. I don't believe that people are price gouging farmers. I think there's a supply issue. But the other side of it is there's been some pretty healthy financial reports. There have been. We saw Nutrien's quarter third quarter earnings come out on Monday on Monday afternoon. Um, and I think the big highlight there was how they set a new record for third quarter earnings thanks to higher farmer sales. Um, but they're also looking at a 21% increase in cost of goods sold over the last three months. Their freight costs are increasing. Um, you know, and as you look at earnings reports from Fosagro, the um, leading global phosphate producer out of Russia, uh, Mosaic down in Florida, um, Syngenta. Everybody's in an environment with where they're dealing with higher supply chain costs and more logistic constraints. And we are seeing that eat into earnings a little bit, but you know, largely with these higher prices, with the higher volumes, we are seeing quite a bit of revenue growth for these companies. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a short-term thing. I think they're going to invest, but it also sounds the optics aren't good. Let's go with that for a minute. Um, they aren't, but you need to dig a little deeper into some of these reports to to really get the broader picture. A lot of these companies are taking those profits and they're reinvesting them back into the companies. So um, we saw Mosaic talk about opening, um, expanding, expanding plants up in Canada um, and down in Florida. Uh, Nutrien discussed decarbonization projects uh, as well as um, expansion projects in their nitrogen division, uh, their potash division, and also their phosphate. Cool. 
Well, that's cool. I mean, they are investing. It's just a very complex picture, and it's just something that irks everybody as you look at it, that's for sure, or confuses people as well. And then Tom and I also talked about the trade situation with UAN. Um, mm-hmm. The International Trade Commission is looking at countervailing duties for Russian and Trin- Russia and Trinidad and Tobago for Tobago for that um, product. So that's going to change supplies, too, for spring. We use a lot of UAN as side dress. And so we'll have to keep an eye on that, right? Exactly. And that's not the only place where we're kind of seeing some of these international trade uncertainties uh, kind of alter alter the environment of the fertilizer landscape. Um, China announced, has announced that they are going to ban export in urea Uh, are they're going to ban exports on phosphates and urea until next June um, just because their supplies are so tight and um, you know it it doesn't seem significant but 30 percent of the world's phosphate is produced in China so um, you know there's going to be a lot of international buyers that are competing for with the U.S. for what other phosphate stocks are available on the global market. So again, the bucket's only so big, right? Right. So, so okay, um, you're looking at this and you've been looking at this. What should I be thinking about for my farm? Um, how should I look at this price? Do you see opportunities for prices to to fall? Should I book it now? What are you thinking? Um, you know, there there's so much uncertainty that I think to mitigate some of that risk, it is a good idea to book now. Um, We've seen a warmer fall this year. If we see if we see all of these rain showers kind of continue in the eastern Corn Belt through the rest of the year, um, then I think there might be some local and regional opportunities to see some weaker prices as maybe those anhydrous stockpiles start to rebuild a little bit um but it won't last long especially once next spring rolls around um i also think that if we can get opec to start increasing output that's also going to help provide some some relief to the energy crises we're seeing in the european union and russia um and also, you know, it's it's kind of hard to detect how global acreage is going to shake out. If we see lower global acreage next year, which I don't think is likely based on the current pricing scenario, um, that could help alleviate some of that pressure too. But I I feel a little bit like I'm grasping for straws with those <laughs> scenarios, um, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so I think the safest bet is to book now. Yeah, at least book. And then also look at your program. As Tom and I talked, look at your fertilizer program and maximize your efficiency and how you use it. So that if you've booked it and it's at 1200 bucks an acre, a, a, a ton for whatever, you know, for anhydrous or whatever the big price is for the urea or the UAN, you got to make sure you're maximizing that investment so that it isn't killing you on the back end. Well, and looking on the front end, if you look at the revenue side, we're still seeing some very profitable offerings for corn, soybeans, and wheat 
on the futures markets. So making sure that you're booking those sales and being aggressive maybe earlier than you're used to, to make sure that you have the cash flow and the profit margins to cover those rising costs. Mm -hmm. The I've been looking at crop budgets the last few weeks. You know, yeah, they're tightening with these higher prices, but farmers are still in a very profitable position for the 2022 uh, growing season. So making sure you're locking in those profits now when you know that you have them is really going to be crucial for um, on-farm profitability next year. Yeah, this really will put pressure on your um, marketing program. And if you aren't locking in some of those prices, you know, it's really funny. I was with a couple of farmer friends at the Farm Progress show, and we had done that poll on the Farm Progress panel that a significant percentage of those who responded to the panel said that they hadn't even started pricing crop in 2022 or, you know, their 2021 crop into the market. And these two gentlemen were quite surprised at that, considering they'd priced more than half their crop and they were quite happy with what they got. So you need to watch the markets and see if you can capture those ups right now because they're going to come again. And we always have the seasonal uh, uh, raises in the early spring, before spring, like March. But we don't want to wait that long, do we? No, I that is not my advice that I've been giving out. (laughs) Um, We're 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 only going to move into um, a global supply scenario where we see supplies increase. Um, And that means that prices are going to go lower. So taking advantage of prices where they're at right now, again, they're very profitable. Um, Break even for corn, I think is around 450 a bushel. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing December 22 bushel or December 2022 contracts trading at $5.46 right now, you know, you're still making nearly a dollar of profit, even with these higher, um, a dollar of profit per bushel. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's on the board. That's definitely on the board. You have to watch your basis on that, but yeah, that's on the board. Of course, of course. You can play the basis. I've seen basis go crazy recently. The ethanol market's been doing that to people. So it's ethanol market, the for soybeans, we've seen steady demand from exporters and we should start to see processing demand pick up quite a bit here in the next couple of weeks with some seasonal demand, too. So there's going to be pricing opportunities as long as you're watching for them and acting on them. It's always about pulling the trigger and not saying if beans go to 13 or 14 on the board, not waiting to go for them to go to 15, take them at 14. Right. Yeah. right. It's it's kind of a, a bird in hand is worth more than two in the bush kind of situation. Well, you can also, by knowing that price, you'll also be able to plan your input buys, right? You'll have a better sense of where you are. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jackie, I appreciate your insight today. Um, thanks for the update on fertilizer prices. We know there's not a lot of good news here right now with the supply situation where it is, but do you feel like it's also a time to be fluid, very focused and paying attention to what's happening to capture those opportunities? Absolutely. You know, a big thing that I've been keeping an eye on is the new crop price ratio to see 
whether or not more corn and soybean acres are going to be planted next year. Um, and we're seeing a lot of price signals that are really starting to strengthen in favor of corn for next year. So, you know, if that's the case and corn does end up being a more profitable product in the 22 growing season, make sure that you're not sacrificing um, yields down the road just for some cost savings on the input side this year. So it's it's a gamble, but you know we, we also do have enough information where even though there is a lot of uncertainty, we can still make profitable decisions. We don't want to farm the bank too far down is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yes, and the fight for corn and soybean acres has begun, and that's always a fun one to watch, that's for sure. Well, Jackie Holland, thanks for your time today and your insights, and uh, you have a great day. Thank you. Same to you, Willie. Thanks to Jackie Holland and Tom Beckman for their insights on this episode. The Farm Progress team is covering a lot of facets of agriculture, and it's really great to get their perspective on these hot issues. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. Before we go, I want to alert you to two special events to consider for your calendar in January 2022, the Farm Futures Ag Finance Boot Camp and the Farm Futures Summit. Boot Camp runs all day January 19, and the summit runs January 20 and 21. We're in Iowa City, and actually we're in the same hotel we've always been in when we're in Iowa City. Now it's just called the Hyatt Regency Coralville Hotel and Conference Center. You can learn more about the program, what's on hand, and the initial agenda with speakers, including Dr. David Cole, and more at farmfuturesummit.com. Visit the site and consider registering to be on hand in January. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.